0: Part 1 of Shadows in Zambula. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Phil Shenever. Shadows in Zambula by Robert E. Howard. Part 1. A drum begins. "'Carol hides in the house of Aram Bakshi!' The speaker's voice quivered with earnestness, and his lean, black-nailed fingers clawed at Conan's mightily muscled arm as he croaked his warning. He was a wiry, sunburnt man with a straggling black beard, and his ragged garments proclaimed him a nomad. He looked smaller and meaner than ever in contrast to the giant Cimmerian, with his black brows, broad chest, and powerful limbs. They stood in a corner of the Swordmaker's Bazaar, and on either side of them flowed past the many-tongued, many-colored stream of the Zambula Streets, which is exotic, hybrid, flamboyant, and clamorous. Conan pulled his eyes back from following a bold-eyed, red-lipped ganara, whose short skirt bared her brown thigh at each insolent step and frowned down at his importunate companion. "'What do you mean by peril?' he demanded. The desert man glanced furtively over his shoulder before replying and lowered his voice. "'Who can say?' But desert men and travellers have slept in the house of Aram Bakshi, and never been seen or heard of again. What became of them? He swore they rose and went their way, and it is true that no citizen of the city has ever disappeared from his house. But no one saw the travellers again, and men say that goods and equipment, recognized as theirs, have been seen in the bazaars. If Aram did not sell them after doing away with their owners, how came they here? I have no goods, growled the Cimmerian, touching the chagrin-bound hilt of the broadsword that hung at his hip. I have even sold my horse. But it is not always rich strangers who vanish by night from the house of Aram Bakshi, chattered the Zuakir. Nay, poor desert men have slept there because his score is less than that of the other's taverns, and have been seen no more. Once a chief of the Zuagirs, whose son had thus vanished, complained to the satrap Jungir Khan, who ordered the house searched by soldiers. And they found a cellar full of corpses? asked Conan in good-humoured derision. Nay, they found naught. And drove the chief from the city with threats and curses but he drew closer to Conan and shivered something else was found at the edge of the desert beyond the houses there is a clump of palm trees and within that grove there is a pit and within that pit have been found human bones charred and blackened not once "'but many times.' "'Which proves what?' grunted the Cimmerian. "'Aram is a demon. "'Nay, in this accursed city which Stygians built "'and which the Hyrcanians ruled, "'where white, brown, and black folk mingle together "'to produce hybrids of all unholy hues and breeds, "'who can tell who is a man and who a demon in disguise?' "'Aram Bakshi is a demon in the form of a man. "'At night he assumes his true guise and carries his guests off into the desert "'where his fellow demons from the Waste meet in Conclave.' "'Why does he always carry off strangers?' asked Conan skeptically. "'The people of the city would not suffer him to slay their people.' but they care not for the strangers who fall into his hands. Conan, you are of the West, and know not the secrets of this ancient land. But since the beginning of happenings, the demons of the desert have worshipped Yog, the lord of the empty abodes with fire, fire that devours human victims. Be warned! You have dwelt for many moons in the tents of the Zuagirs, and you are our brother. Go not into the house of Aram Bakshi. Get out of sight, Conan said suddenly. Yonder comes a squad of the city watch. If they see you, they may remember a horse that was stolen from the satrap's stable. The Zuagir gasped and moved convulsively. He ducked between a booth and a stone horse trough, pausing only long enough to chatter, be warned, my brother. There are demons in the house of Aram Bakshi." Then he darted down a narrow alley and was gone. Conan shifted his broad-sword belt to his liking, calmly returned the searching stairs directed at him by the squad of watchmen as they swung past. They eyed him curiously and suspiciously for he was a man who stood out even in such a motley throng as crowded the winding streets of Zambula. His blue eyes and alien features distinguished him from the eastern swarms, and the straight sword at his hip added point to the racial difference. The watchman did not accost him, but swung on down the street, while the crowd opened a lane for them. They were pelishtim, squat, hook-nosed, with blue-black beards sweeping their mailed breasts. Mercenaries hired for work the ruling Turanians considered beneath themselves, and no less hated by the mongrel population for that reason. Conan glanced at the sun, just beginning to dip behind the flat-topped houses on the western side of the bazaar, and, hitching once more at his belt, moved off in the direction of Aram Bakshi's tavern. With a hillman's stride, he moved through the ever-shifting colors of the streets, where the ragged tunics of whining beggars brushed against the ermine-trimmed kahalots of lordly merchants and the pearl-sewn satin of rich courtesans. Giant black slaves slouched along, jostling blue-bearded wanderers from the Shemitish cities, ragged nomads from the surrounding desert, traders and adventurers from all the lands of the East. The native population was no less heterogeneous. Here centuries ago the armies of Stygia had come, carving an empire out of the eastern desert. Zambula was but a small trading town then, lying amid a ring of oases and inhabited by descendants of nomads. The Stygians built it into a city and settled it with their own people and with Shemite and Kushite slaves. The ceaseless caravans threading the desert from east to west and back again brought riches and more mingling of races. Then came the conquering Turanians, riding out of the east to thrust back the boundaries of Stygia. And now, for a generation, Zambula had been Turan's westernmost outpost, ruled by a Turanian satrap. The babel of a myriad tongues smote on the Cimmerian's ears as the restless pattern of the Zambula streets weaved about him, cleft now and then by a squad of clattering horsemen, the tall, supple warriors of Turan with dark hawk faces, clinking metal and curved swords. The throng scampered from under their horses' hoofs, for they were the lords of Zambula. But tall, somber Stygians, standing back in the shadows, glowered darkly, remembering their ancient glories, the hybrid population cared little whether the king who controlled their destinies dwelt in dark Kahemi or gleaming Agrapor. Junjir Khan ruled Zambula, and men whispered that Nefertari, the Satrap's mistress, ruled Junjir Khan. But the people went their way, flaunting their myriad colors in the streets, bargaining, disputing, gambling, swilling, loving as the people of Zambulla have done for all the centuries its towers and minarets have lifted over the sands of the Kaharamun. Bronze lanterns, carved with leering dragons, had been lighted in the streets before Conan reached the house of Aram Bakshi. The tavern was the last occupied house on the street which ran west. A wide garden, enclosed by a wall, where date palms grew thick, "'separated it from the houses further east. "'To the west of the inn stood another grove of palms, "'through which the street, now become a road, wound out into the desert. "'Across the road from the tavern stood a row of deserted huts, "'shaded by straggling palm-trees, and occupied only by bats and jackals. "'As Conan came down the road, he wondered why the beggars, so plentiful in Zambula had not appropriated these empty houses for sleeping-quarters. The lights ceased some distance behind him. There were no lanterns except the one hanging before the tavern gate. Only the stars, the soft dust of the road underfoot, and the rustle of the palm leaves in the desert breeze. Aram's gate did not open upon the road, but upon the alley which ran between the tavern and the garden of the date-palms. Conan jerked lustily at the rope which depended from the bell beside the lantern, augmenting its clamor by hammering on the iron-bound teakwork gate with the hilt of his sword. A wicket opened in the gate, and a black face peered through. "'Open blast, you,' requested Conan. "'I'm a guest. I've paid Adam for a room, and a room I'll have by crumb.' The black craned his neck to stare into the starlit road behind Conan but he opened the gate without comment and closed it again behind the Cimmerian, locking and bolting it. The wall was unusually high, but there were many thieves in Zambula, and a house on the edge of the desert might have to be defended against a nocturnal nomad raid. Conan strode through a garden where great pale blossoms nodded in the starlight and entered the tap-room, where a Stygian with the shaven head of a student sat at a table brooding over nameless mysteries, and some nondescripts wrangled over a game of dice in a corner. Adam Bakshi came forward, walking softly, a portly man, with a black beard that swept his breast, a jutting hook nose, and small black eyes which were never still. "'You wish food?' he asked. "'Drink?' "'I ate a joint of beef and a loaf of bread in the souk,' grunted Conan. Uh, "'Bring me a tankard of Gazan wine. "'I've got just enough left to pay for it.' "'He tossed a copper coin on the wine-splashed board. "'You did not win at the gaming tables?' "'How could I, with only a handful of silver to begin with? "'I paid you for the room this morning because I knew I'd probably lose. "'I wanted to be sure I had a roof over my head tonight.' I notice nobody sleeps in the streets in Zambula. The very beggars hunt a niche they can barricade before dark. The city must be full of a particularly bloodthirsty brand of thieves. He gulped the cheap wine with relish, and then followed Aram out of the taproom. Behind him the players halted their game to stare after him with a cryptic speculation in their eyes. They said nothing, but the Stygian laughed— a ghastly laugh of inhuman cynicism and mockery. The others lowered their eyes uneasily, avoiding one another's glance. The arts studied by a Stygian scholar are not calculated to make him share the feelings of a normal human being. Conan followed Aram down a corridor lighted by copper lamps, and it did not please him to note his host's noiseless tread. Aram's feet were clad in soft slippers, and the hallway was carpeted with thick Turanian rugs. But there was an unpleasant suggestion of stealthiness about the Zambulan. At the end of the winding corridor, Aram halted at a door, across which a heavy iron bar rested in powerful metal brackets. This Aram lifted and showed the Cimmerian into a well-appointed chamber, The windows of which, Conan instantly noted, were small and strongly set with twisted bars of iron tastefully gilded. There were rugs on the floor, a couch after the Eastern fashion, and ornately carved stools. It was a much more elaborate chamber than Conan could have procured for the price nearer the center of the city, a fact that had first attracted him when, that morning, he discovered how slim a purse his roisterings for the past few days had left him. He had ridden into Zambula from the desert a week before. Adam had lighted a bronze lamp, and he now called Conan's attention to the two doors. Both were provided with heavy bolts. "'You may sleep safely tonight, Cimmerian,' said Adam, blinking over his bushy beard from the inner doorway." Conan grunted and tossed his naked broadsword on the couch. Your bolts and bars are strong, but I always sleep with steel by my side. Aram made no reply. He stood fingering his thick beard for a moment as he stared at the grim weapon. Then, silently, he withdrew, closing the door behind him. Conan shot the bolt into place, crossed the room, opened the opposite door and looked out. The room was on the side of the house that faced the road running west from the city. The door opened into a small court that was enclosed by a wall of its own. The inn walls, which shut it off from the rest of the tavern compound, were high and without entrances, but the wall that flanked the road was low and there was no lock on the gate. Conan stood for a moment in the door. The glow of the bronze lamp behind him, looking down the road to where it vanished among the dense palms. Their leaves rustled together in the faint breeze. Beyond them lay the naked desert. Far up the street, in the other direction, lights gleamed, and the noises of the city came faintly to him. Here was only starlight, the whispering of the palm leaves, and beyond that low wall, the dust of the road and the deserted huts thrusting their flat roofs against the low stars. Somewhere beyond the palm groves, a drum began. The garbled warnings of the Zuagir returned to him, seeming somehow less fantastic than they had seemed in the crowded sunlit streets. He wondered again at the riddle of those empty huts. Why did the beggars shun them? He turned back into the chamber, shut the door, and bolted it. The light began to flicker, and he investigated, swearing, when he found the palm oil in the lamp was almost exhausted. He started to shout for Aram, then shrugged his shoulders and blew out the light. In the soft darkness he stretched himself fully clad on the couch, his sinewy hand by instinct searching for and closing on the hilt of his broadsword. Glancing idly at the stars framed in the barred windows, with the murmur of the breeze through the palms in his ears, he sank into slumber with a vague consciousness of the muttering drum out on the desert, the low rumble and mutter of a leather-covered drum beaten with soft, rhythmic strokes of an open black hand. End of Part 1